Okay, in Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Ephesians 4 is, is quite, a, uh, quite a chapter. Um, again, when you read the first three chapters of the epistle of Ephesians, you see it's very, very individual. It's very personal. And then by the time you get to the fourth chapter, it goes into the oneness. And you'll see, in, for instance, in, in Ephesians 4 verse 1, like it says in 3 verse 1 of Ephesians. Ephesians 3 verse 1 says this, For, for this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ. Notice he said he was a prisoner of the Gentiles, for you Gentiles, notice. And so the cause was Christ himself through the Apostle Paul, and it was for others. And what he said was in verse 2, if you've heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me to you, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. Not that it was mysterious, but there were things that hadn't been previously known until there was the dispensation of grace, the church age. And notice what it says there. It says, for that cause, for the cause of Jesus Christ, he was held prisoner. It's when he wrote Ephesians, Colossians, and Philippians, these, they're called the prison epistles, and the reason was was because he was in prison. (laughs) But he didn't consider himself the prisoner of Rome or the emperors there. He considered that God had him there in that particular place and that he was the prisoner and that he was the prisoner of the Lord. And so by the time we get to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1, he says again, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, I beseech you, I beg of you, I plead with you, that you walk worthy of the, vac- of the vocation where you're called, that particular place. He said, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And then he said, there's one body and one Spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, who is above all, and through all and in you all. Now this is speaking of oneness, but the oneness that it's speaking of right here is the oneness in in particular local assemblies. So local assemblies, they function in the oneness of where Christ has placed them. And that's that was his prayer in John chapter 17, and verse 11, 21, and 22. That is the true Lord's prayer. That was the prayer that he, as he was facing the cross, we see in John chapter 17 the most intimate exchange ever recorded in the scriptures while Christ was on earth. And what it had to do with the fact that, yes, he was one with the Father, no question about that. And, but that, and that was, of course, in his deity, as is brought out in John 1, verse 1. But here he's speaking in his humanity, in his prayer, as, as God and man, and man and God, representing all of us. Going to finish, to propitiate his Father, and then to be the substitute for us, to reconcile us to himself. And that's what we see here clearly, as, as far as the local assembly, is this oneness. 
Now, when we talked about this, and we did talk about this this morning, again, we had a really beautiful time of fellowship. And what we saw, and the way that it was brought out, and I'll read these verses, and then we can share just a little bit about it. But when you read those first 19 verses in in chapter 4 of Ephesians, here's where we get to what God was speaking to us this morning and what I believe he wants to speak to us tonight. In Ephesians 4, uh, 20 to 24. And this is what it says. But separated again from being past feeling and given ourselves over to the lust, uh, lasciviousness and lustfulness of the flesh. He said, but you have not so learned Christ. You haven't learned him that way. If so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former lifestyle. Conversation, here's the lifestyle. The former lifestyle of the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and the holiness of truth. That's how that should really read in the original, the holiness of truth. Because of this, that we have the holiness of truth, and when we put off the old man with with the will being submitted and put on the new, we put away lying and we speak every man truth with his neighbor. Why? Because we're members one one another. And so we get into spiritual warfare. So the fourth chapter of the book of the epistle of Ephesians is going into local assembly, how to function as a local assembly. The fifth chapter talks about love entering into the most intimate relationship, husband and wife. And of course, that's what the church is made up of. And then by the time you get to the sixth chapter, you you also see children now. But that's the order, how it functions. Individual, Ephesians 1 through 3, the individual positional truth and the growth truths that are in those first three chapters But the fourth chapter is where we learn all those things. We learn how to put off the old. We learn the difference between the old and the new. We learn the difference there in the fourth chapter. Then we get into the fifth chapter and it's relationships. Husbands and wives, which again is very, very key to functioning properly in God's order in a local assembly because you know, it should happen in the home that way. Then by the time you get to the sixth chapter, you see the children, as we said. And then spiritual warfare. We go right in, it goes right into spiritual warfare. So Ephesians 6, verse 10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So the strength that we need is his power. The power, as we know, in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 24 is Christ himself. There's power and there's wisdom. We know in 2 Timothy 1.7 that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a very well-disciplined mind, knowing how to think properly, knowing how to put off the old in this continual 
growth of continually putting him off and then putting on continually learning to put on the new man. And so we see again in Ephesians 6, verse 10, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Your strength is in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the methodia, all those lies of Satan, his method. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Boy, that's a tough one to get through, isn't it? In our relationships, isn't it? Isn't that a tough one to get through? To, to try through the Holy Spirit and through the Scriptures to convince Christians, especially Christians in a local assembly, you are not, it's not that you're wrestling against flesh and blood, blood and flesh. It's not that at all. It's principalities. For we wrestle, and again, that word wrestle there in the Greek is pale, it's P-A-L-E. And it means face-to-face, face-to-face contact. See, it's not like boxing in that sense. It's close to, it's close, face-to-face wrestling, wrestling. And we've talked before, as the Greek brings out, in the Greek games, and this is what the Holy Spirit has given Paul to give us a picture of. In the Greek games, first of all, for you to even wrestle to get to the Olympics, and that's what it was. That's where we get our Olympics from, those Greek games way back first century. And, but to do that, okay, there was years of preparation and discipline. You don't just go there and start wrestling without a lot of preparation and discipline and a lot of teaching and training. And the reason for that was they knew that if they were going to choose that sport, that they had to prepare, train, day and night. They had to train for years to get in to the Olympics, to get into that match, because they knew that if they they lost, the loser had his eyes gouged out. Literally. (laughs) Don't know if I'd want to play in those, those kind of Olympics. For we wrestle, that's what wrestle means, for we wrestle not against blood and flesh, but it's not that. But it's saying separate from that. It's against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this evil world system, against spiritual wickedness in the heights. Now because of that, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, to withstand in the evil day. God, when he wrote this, if his day was evil, what is it now? Well, and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith. Really what it's saying, faith here, is not just trusting God and believing him. It's all those truths, those doctrines that make up the person and the work of Christ that he's accomplished for the individual, and he's the shield that they're to take, even after all that armor is on, they need to have that shield constantly up to, to quench all the fiery missiles of hell. That's what it says. We're a bit, we're, and, and of course, I, I think I skipped 15, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That doesn't mean that you're going to go preach peace. It means this, that if your walk, is not established in the peace that's yours in Christ in Ephesians 2.14. If you don't have that peace, 
It doesn't lead to a proper prayer life in Ephesians 4, uh, in Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Isaiah 26, verse 3, you will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed upon him. Why? Because he trusts in him. And so what we see here then is it's that individual needs to have their walk established with the peace of God before they get into the battle. Very, very necessary. We have the peace of God. As far as God's concerned, he sees us in the peace that we are in his son. It's very necessary for us to keep the shield up, the teaching, so that we can quench the fiery missiles from hell that try to consume us, those thought forces, those thought forces that come against us contrary to the word of God. We have the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, whereby you're able to quench all the fiery missiles from hell, from the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation. Keep it on, the deliverance that's ours in Christ. And the sword of the Spirit. And you notice it's the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance. See perseverance? It takes perseverance. It takes what we would say, not quittingness. <laughs> not quitting. <laughs> and when we do for a moment, we just get right back up again. Micah said, the prophet through the Holy Spirit, Micah 7a, verse 8, he said, Rejoice not against me, my enemy. When I fall, I will arise. And when I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light unto me. And that's what I love about this. Now, when we talked about this this morning and the way I brought it out to my, uh, my dear friend Mike Fenton, the way we talked about it is, is and the way he's mentioned it's like God, it seems to him, he says, ministers to him through like almost like a coach because he played sports and he played football and he had some really good coaches. And those coaches taught him a lot about the basics and just natural life. And so he feels like this, and he loves football. He, 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 he likes football. He loves Jesus. He likes football. Don't tell anyone I do too. And... Uh, but when we brought this analogy out in Ephesians 4, 20 to 24, right? In football, when you show up and go into the locker room, first you have to take off your street clothes. You have to take them off. Because the equipment that is necessary for you to prepare you to go in and take hits, to hit and to be hit, wouldn't fit over your street clothes. Imagine trying to put on a pair of cleats over your street shoes. Just wouldn't fit. It just would not fit. That's what this illustration is. You need to take off the old life. You need to take off, strip off. You know those, even when it says in Hebrews 12 verse 1, wherefore, you know, just consider that you're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. And because of that, let us lay aside every weight. Again, the games are in the mind. If they were going to run the race, that's because it says looking away from all that, that would distract unto Jesus in Hebrews 12, 2. By the time, verse 3, so that you can run with patience the race that's set before you. See, it's patience. It's patience. Things don't work out. 
When I think they should, I think I'll quit. Things don't work out where I think God calls me, I think I'll quit. <laughs> oh boy. Fact of the matter is, in the Greek games, to run in the race, they had to strip down to there properly. But again, back to the analogy of football. I brought out, and just God had me doing this this, this morning, how you not only have to get familiar and be taught about each piece of equipment even before you put it on, but then it, part of your training is knowing even how to put it on. And Mike said, he said to me this morning, he goes, oh boy, does that hit with me. He said, because I coached young people, Baltimore Academy, it was in, in Baltimore. He said, I coached a lot of young kids. And he said, it took me forever to teach those kids how to even put on the equipment and explain it and how to put it on. It was this constant training. But to put that on, that equipment, to put on what is truly ours in Christ, we have to put off the old, so to speak. You do. You have to go. And there's a place where you do that. There's a place that where a football player goes. He has a locker. He goes into a locker. That's the place where he has learned he has to take off the street clothes and put on not only the right equipment, but put it on the right way before he goes on to the field and, so to speak, starts to enter into the game. Because he's going to take some hits. And it's to protect us. And that's what it's saying. We said this before also, too. The time... And so many Christians, because of a lack of teaching, I'm serious, because of a lack of teaching, because they don't have teaching, or there's issues in their life they believe that keep them from coming to, to be taught, to be taught, they, they'll enter into a battle without the equipment. Or they'll be in the, is the time to put the equipment on in the battle or before it? You know, in Ephesians 4, verse 26, it says this. It's very interesting how it goes right after putting on, putting off and putting on. You know what it says? It says, be ye angry and sin not. How are you going to do that? How are you angry? Huh? How can you be angry and not sin? How does that happen? You have to put off the old. See the order of it? Before you get to verse 26, you've got 420 to 24. You put it off. You're only angry, okay, at what would affect anything about Christ in yourself and in others. It says, be ye angry and sin not. Listen, Christians, if they ever forget, could ever get this, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Stop being bitter. Don't allow your anger to go to anybody else. And boy, I'll, let, me, let me tell you something, when you don't deal with it, or you don't, you don't want to let others know and you can change a face and change a verse, a voice, and still have that anger inside of you. All that does is turn into bitterness, and we see that in Hebrews 12 and verse 15. It turns into bitterness. Anger and not expressed to someone, not dealt with, and my God, what has Christ in his love for each individual in Christ, what issue 
has he not dealt with? Do you know why certain issues in relationship and local assemblies are not dealt with? I'm going to be very honest with you. You know, because you know what a relationship has to do with? You know what relationships are? Very personal. If I don't have a personal relationship with Christ, if I don't experience a personal relationship with Christ, how am I going to have it with somebody else? How would I have that? And by the way, I'm very happy and very content. Honestly, I want to make that clear. Because you will do more with a few that are one than you could do with many that aren't. I just want to make that crystal clear tonight. Crystal, crystal clear. That's why, that's why I love having the word. And you know what? I have it every Monday. Mike and I, Mike Fenton and I, every single Monday loves it. Every Wednesday, he wants the word, the fellowship. He said, he, he's made it time and time again. He's made this statement. I don't care if no one else shows up, I'm showing up. Isn't that interesting? Did you find it interesting? And he's the pastor there in Texas. And I'm saying things for a very specific reason. Very, very specific. We cannot take on us someone else's burdens or someone else's struggles. That's not our place. Prayer, giving ourselves to prayer, will alleviate that. And as a matter of fact, when God takes people away, it's just he's showing us this is now an, a great opportunity for intense intimacy with him. So that your reliance is upon him, then you have proper fellowship with others. You do. But again, the time to be taught, the time to submit and to be taught, that time, that time, and by the way, about issues, and I do want to make this crystal clear tonight, about specific issues here, Mike Fenton and I are completely and utterly and totally one about it. All the issues. Honestly, there is no question about that. There is not even a, not even a faint question about that. If, you're, if your personal relationship and mine is right with God, we'd be here. There is no question about it because the fact of the matter is I truly believe, as Mike Fenton does, that everybody that was called here belongs here. He's made that crystal clear with me several times. I'm happy. I, honestly, I'm totally happy and blessed. I said to God this night, I, I counted it a privilege to hear the word. Counted it up to, to come and preach, just to hear it, because I'm hearing it as it's coming through. <laughs> to be able to have that word. To be able to be used by God for the privilege. I mean, I can lay aside all that cares. I don't care. Listen, no matter what's going on in the world, no matter what is going on in other people's lives, no matter what it looks like in the local assembly, in the church, the fact of the matter is, is that Jesus Christ is in control. There's no question about it. It just is. It just is. And we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. We put off the old. I put, we put it off. We absolutely put it off. Very excited. Very excited. The responses, the beautiful responses that I get from phone calls through the week about the word that, that is, that's posted, about the recordings, the beautiful responses that I get. And they're not just from young people, 
by the grace of God that have been around four, five, six years. They're from, from men of God, seriously, been around for 40 years. Honestly, and one of them that I, I absolutely love to have the fellowship and the word with, again, is Mike Fenton. Isn't that interesting? Don't, don't you find that kind of interesting? I do. I think it's beautiful. I think it's, I think it's absolutely beautiful. And, uh, but again, what a privilege we have. What a, what a privilege we have to come. And what makes us even think and and. To not put off the old means that now I think I have to bear someone else's burden. I think I have a need to feel about certain decisions that people make. That, friends, is a false burden. There's tremendous contentment when we realize and when we have settled in our hearts, honestly, where God has called us. You know why? Because it's putting off the old. It's putting off the old and having on, and putting on the new man, that's even before we get into battle. That's what those things are teaching. Because each piece of that equipment, and we're going to write a booklet about that too, by the way, each piece of equipment all speaks of the person of Christ and the work that he's accomplished on each individual's behalf. And it is a tremendous and wonderful thing and an awesome privilege that we have. Amen? Amen. So, Father, we thank you uh, for this word tonight. Uh, we thank you for the, the beauty of it, the preciseness of it. We thank you and praise you tonight in Jesus' name. Amen.